Thank you for listening to the Patrick Ely podcast. As always, it's for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial or medical advice. Most electric vehicle offerings in the United States are failing. Ford and Chevrolet are losing money on every single EV sold. They've wasted hundreds of millions of dollars. Tesla is the only successful EV manufacturer, and they're wildly successful from a financial standpoint. They're wildly successful all over the world. And in other parts of the world, there are other electric vehicle companies that are doing okay. Well, what's the difference? I've been looking at purchasing a car recently, a vehicle, I should say. I don't think I'm going to get a car. I need space in the back for all of my gear and my dog. And I think if I got a sedan that had a big trunk, I would more often than not need the added height that an SUV gives. But I digress. What I care about is dependability and extremely comfortable ride, and that includes good handling. I'm on the road a lot now, and I'm old. My back hurts, especially if I'm doing a lot of training throughout the week. So I need a, a seat to be not just some minimalist sports car seat. I need something that has great support and helps you avoid getting fatigue sitting in it out sitting in it for long hours but I also want good handling I don't want some boat that wobbles back and forth on sharp turns I want reliability I don't want to have to worry for years whether or not the thing's going to start up or not I don't want stuff to start falling apart I don't want a bunch of rattles three years in and I want an isolated experience and that goes back to the comfort being on the road for a long time I want to have good sound and I don't want a whole bunch of road noise, especially when I'm on the highway. And then after meeting all of those prerequisites, I want a car to have as affordable operating costs as possible. So a bunch of those things, a good EV lines up with. For instance, most electric vehicles are relatively quiet in part because the bottoms of EVs are lined with batteries and insulation, helps isolate road noise, and the electric motors make virtually no sound versus a gasoline engine. EVs don't have engines. Teslas and Lucids and Rivians are very comfortable, at least some of their models. Some of them have very good audio systems. Some Teslas have excellent build quality. They don't fall apart. Many other car manufacturers of EVs make cars that fall apart. And from a sporty standpoint, most EVs have an advantage of having a lot of weight on the bottom of the car because of all of those batteries. And that weight on the bottom of the car creates physics where it helps it stay glued to the road and doesn't wobble back and forth. There are exceptions, of course, but in general, that's something you can get out of an electric vehicle. Now, how well it's going to take bumps, et cetera, et cetera, is dependent on the suspension, and that differs between car manufacturers. But an electric vehicle can check a lot of the boxes that I'm looking for. An electric vehicle can be extremely, extremely reliable if made well. They have virtually no maintenance. They don't wear out. For instance, my friend was telling me about his Tesla. There are no brake pads to change. There's no transmission fluid to flush. There's no oil to change in your engine because there is no engine. There's not a whole lot to wear out other than that seat 
if you're spending lots of time in it. For me, the problem with an electric vehicle is two closely related details. They both have to do with range. A lot of times I need to get somewhere as quickly as possible that's far away. And right now, most electric vehicles have a range of a good one, let's say 300 miles. And at that point, even if it charges very quickly, you're looking at a 20-minute stop. Now, I happen to live in California that has a great network of chargers, but for people around the country, that's not the case. And I wouldn't consider getting any electric vehicle other than a Tesla at this point because Tesla has done the work to have an outstanding charging network and an outstanding approach to charging that allows for relatively fast charging, and a lot of EVs are not capable of getting an 80% or close to full charge very quickly, and their infrastructure is not built out well. If I was someone who drove locally 90% of the time, I might be more interested in an, elect in an electric vehicle because I might not go through a charge, a full charge in a day, and then you get home, and you can charge it overnight while you're, at, while you're asleep when you don't need the vehicle. Now, for me, cost in general of energy, whether that's fuel or electricity, is a big deal. Energy in California is expensive, and I'll come back to that, that point in a minute. But driving a lot every day in California and having to charge, whether it be at a charging station or at your house, isn't necessarily going to be cheaper than gas. And gas is expensive in California, which is why I'm interested in a hybrid, because Technically speaking, in someone in my situation, you get the most miles for your dollar of fuel. It's kind of the best of both worlds in many ways. Now, I brought up cost of electricity because in other countries where you wouldn't think EVs would do well, they do. For instance, in Northern European countries that are very cold for a good part of the year, EVs are wildly popular. And they shouldn't be because in cold weather, car batteries in EVs don't last as long. On average, I think the statistic is 20%. You lose 20% of your charging capacity. Let's say you have a 350 mile range, you'd lose 20% of that range in the winter on a full charge. But in those countries, their electricity is incredibly inexpensive, much cheaper than petrol, gasoline. And so people make that sacrifice because the dollar is the bottom line for them. It's a clear choice. And that's fascinating to me. It was fascinating to me when I learned that. Because the United States seems like it should have cheap energy. Apparently, we have as much gas as anybody, whether that be natural oil or uh, natural gas or oil that we make gasoline out of. We also have a lot of sun compared to some countries with cheaper energy than us. And you would think that we could utilize solar in a way that drastically brought down energy costs, at least in states like California, which are known for having blue skies year-round. And yet, California is some of the most expensive electricity in the country. There are all kinds of debates as to like what the solution is to this, or even if California wants a solution, but people bring up nuclear energy, they bring up hydrogen, they talk about overpopulation, all kinds of stuff. And I don't want to get into that debate right now. Instead, I think it's more interesting to talk about why electric vehicles are failing in this country. A big part of that is the infrastructure, the charging infrastructure. And I think it is an example of how our government 
very often, potentially as part of the Ponzi scheme to put money into lobbyists and government people's hands, will go full bore on a not well thought out project to supposedly make Americans' lives better. For instance, there are penalties right now baked into the costs of ownership and costs of production for gasoline engines. One that drives me nuts is you see turbos in all kinds of engines now and very large vehicles run on four-cylinder engines, vehicles that years ago would have had a V6 or a V8 that was naturally aspirated. And turbos, as good as they've gotten, did not have the lifespan and durability of a naturally aspirated engine. Take Honda, for example, they put a 1.5 liter four-cylinder turbocharged engine in many of their vehicles now, and they have many problems with those, whether it be oil consumption, total failure. And these are vehicles, for instance, the Honda Civic that were legendary for being able to get 300 or 400,000 miles on their naturally aspirated engines. These same cars across the board in this country almost all run on CVT transmissions. And I don't mind CVTs, but when they were pushed out, they were much less reliable than your standard automatic transmission. And they only existed because of fuel economy and certain standards set by the United States government on what kind of fuel economy needed to be produced by vehicles and how. So engines have gotten smaller, transmissions have gotten more fragile, and everything's gotten more unreliable. And here we are in 2024 where a lot of people are struggling financially. They can't afford to purchase a new car. That's why the used car market is so inflated. And so therefore people can't afford to purchase used cars. And that all comes down to two things when it comes to the automobile industry. The American hunger for consumption, getting something new, the latest and greatest, and the lack of reliability in modern vehicles. And it's really ironic because the fit and finish of modern vehicles is vastly superior to older ones. Older cars just would fall apart, but their engines might still run. And now we have cars that won't fall apart, but your drivetrain, your powertrain, your engine might fail. The U.S. government has incentivized people to buy electric vehicles, whether that be through rebates or tax deductions, et cetera, et cetera. And they have also put mandates on when gasoline engines need to be eliminated. And none of this is free market or capitalism, right? In a free market, people should buy what they want to buy. And if electric vehicles became superior to gasoline vehicles for the uses of Americans, then that's what they'd buy. And you'd see companies make fewer and fewer gasoline engines because nobody wanted them. But people do very much want products that run on petrol. They want gasoline engines. Americans very much liked V6s and V8s and naturally aspirated engines. And they're being taken away in a pretend free market. Of course, we have welfare capitalism in this country, but that's not how you hear the government describe the economy they've created. So the government has really put the pressure on people to buy electric vehicles, and then they get out on the road with them and they realize there's no infrastructure of charging stations and no practical way to charge in currently the, the majority, over 50% of the country. And even in the best places, it's not a perfect solution. People are buying their electric vehicles, or were, and then they were selling them or giving them back at the end of their lease because they had a better experience owning a gasoline engine 
And they find if fuel economy is the thing they're after, that they, again, have a better experience with the hybrid. And Toyota, for example, has had a lot of success with their Prime RAV4, which is a plug-in hybrid where you can plug it in and charge it and use it. I think it's good for somewhere between 50 and 100 miles just on electricity. Or you can run it as a hybrid where it runs off of gas as well. So if you're on a long trip, you can just fill up with gas. Now, I think that's a little redundant. I don't think plug-in hybrids is something we're going to see in the future. It's just it's too much to go wrong. And again, depending on where you live in the country, plugging it in to drive isn't necessarily cheaper. But I think that the United States government has done a good job of selling the idea that it's more sustainable or better for the environment. But what's confusing about that is the government has encouraged people to buy these new hunks of metal and plastic and carbon and rubber and whatever else goes into buy, building a new vehicle. Instead of getting people to keep the vehicles they own for as long as possible and in circulation in the United States as long as possible, which would create a huge decrease in the amount of resources we're pulling from the environment. Again, whether that be steel or minerals to make these batteries or the computer chips, you know, all of the things that go into making a car, creating fewer plastics. You know, you've got environmentalists saying we want to get rid of plastics, but then their car is full of plastic. Their Toyota Prius is all plastic. So instead of it becoming a practical solution, it becomes virtue signaling by default. The governments encourage people to create a huge carbon footprint getting all new vehicles to supposedly help the environment. But that usage of natural resources is going to take us so long to offset, if ever. Much longer than if we just kept driving our cars for another generation. And a generation in cars is like five to six years. Something you do hear about in the news a lot is cobalt. And there are like slave mines in Africa where they mine cobalt to go into the batteries of EVs. Is that better for the environment than gasoline engines that don't require any slave minerals? I think electric vehicles have a future in this country and around the world, but I think it would be best served to be an organic future, one that wasn't shoved down our throats. In countries where electricity makes sense, from a cost of ownership standpoint, someone who needs to buy a new car is gonna be excited to buy an electric vehicle and they thrive they already are but in countries like the united states where people aren't sure but they feel like they're getting a deal because there's a government incentive and then they buy a car that they don't actually want and they end up returning it or selling it or they can't return a car they sell it and then that goes into circulation somewhere else where we already have a surplus of used cars a lot of used cars get shipped to other countries because we have too many here on the wholesale market an international automobile wholesale market. We have one of those. And then, then they end up going back to gas. That, that's not organic or really productive, especially from an America first standpoint. I think one of the coolest vehicles you could possibly own right now would be a Tesla truck. If I could afford one, I'd probably be okay with sitting for 20 minutes every 350 miles to get where I'm going. That's because they've made such a kick-ass vehicle, not just because it's an electric vehicle. And if you think about it, the United States has never been very good at forced competition. For instance, Ford and Chevy have never 
caught up to Japanese automakers in terms of making reliable quality vehicles. They have maintained their ability to hit their target market. They make great trucks that are more reliable than their cars, probably because they put more resources into that. And also that just work well for people with their big engines and lots of torque. And they also make American muscle cars. And the Americans who like muscle cars continue to like Ford Mustangs and Chevrolet Corvettes and Mopar. It's what they like and it's what people have always liked. But them trying to compete at efficiency or reliability has never worked out for them, even though the government has injected and bailed out these companies in the past. They've injected money, incentivizing them to jump into an electric car market that they aren't organically pursuing has already shown that they they start lacking resources to put into the vehicles that they're already good at making and it. There's some cost benefit there where it's a loss in total. There's some good pieces on that by the Savage Geese guys, actually, that I'm thinking about. I'm sure at some point, electric modification to vehicles would organically show up. But, you know, it's curious to me that if you look at the truck market, like the big truck market, like work trucks, full-size trucks, Ford F-150s, 250s, Tundras, Silverados. There's little to no hybrid technology, but those same companies have offered electric trucks that have failed. For instance, Ford built the Lightning, perfectly good electric pickup truck, not practical for people. They've lost a ton of money making it. The Chevrolet Hummer, losing $13,000 in value in the first year of ownership. It's a cool party trick of a vehicle, nobody wants it. It's not practical for anything. But what would be practical is a vehicle with the torque that an electric engine can provide like the Tesla truck, but built into a truck like an F-150 that has the practicality and range coupled with high amounts of torque of a pickup truck like an F-150 or 250. There has been some hybrid experimentation, but nothing that's working really well. Right now, when I think about hybrid SUVs, the Highlander hybrid is the only one that jumps out at me as one that's really successful and well-reviewed. And the government's got this weird thing with Tesla, where Tesla is an American company that's incredibly successful at a time when most American companies, not so great, not compared to the competition. And the competition might come have offices in America, but they're not American companies. We've got Apple and Tesla and Ford. Maybe. But the government does things like criticize Elon Musk, question his integrity, and then penalize Tesla, for instance, not offering certain rebates at times that other electric vehicles get and comparable Teslas don't get. And then they'll turn around and ask Tesla for help developing the, own, the government's own subsidized network of charging units. Doesn't seem very capitalistic to me. But what I will say, since we don't have a free market capitalist society, is that if the government was going to get involved, it would have probably made more sense to figure out a really, 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 really good charging protocol and then build out charging networks across the country before asking people to buy EVs beyond saying, hey, consider this, you know, in the form of they've financially incentivize people and they're penalizing gasoline engine development and all that stuff. It, it seems to be the cart before the horse. 
And it seems to have already wasted a lot of money and resources and people's time who have gone out and bought vehicles that they regret. 